Another week of one guy trying to be better to the people in his life. This is Dear Stranger and Friend. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, it is me, your beautiful, wonderful, handsome podcast host, Paul Masbad. And today, this Wednesday, this morning, I am feeling so much more handsome than I usually feel. Because I put on my glasses, I saw myself in the mirror, and I was like, Hey man, you are handsome, and you are cool, and you are all of the good things. Stay positive, my dude. But anyway, this week I am talking to an old friend an old educator, a former professor of mine named Patrick. It's still weird for me to call my old teachers by their first name. Um, I still feel kind of awkward doing that, but I'm sure I'll get used to it. But anyway, uh, this week we talk a lot about uh, what you should be doing versus what you want to be doing and how do you make those two things work out. And uh, it's um, we don't answer the question. We don't answer how you know. But we just, we just openly talk about it, which is uh, what this podcast is. But anyway, I will stop talking so you can hear both of us start talking. Let's just get into that episode. Hey, man. Hello. What's up? What's going on? Nothing. I'm going to go sideways, if that's all right. Oh, cool. That looks good. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm going wide angle. Yeah. <laughs> I know, a long time to see. Yeah. I always get nervous when I do the FaceTime call because I'm bad with numbers. Like, my mind doesn't... It's like um, dyslexia with numbers. I forgot what it's called. So That sounds right. I think it's just dyslexia. <laughs> but <laughs> I always get nervous that I'm calling the wrong number, like, as it's connecting. Oh, right, but... right. And some, like, super weird person is going to, like, pop onto your screen. Yeah. <laughs> Should I put in my headphones? Yeah, if it, if it makes it um, easier for you. I might do that so you're not quite as disembodied. <laughs> I don't actually uh, do video calls all that often, so usually it's like a, you know, grandparents calling in uh, to see my kids kind of thing. So high tech for me. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> That's cool. If you didn't want now, you're in my inner ear. If you didn't want to do a video call, we didn't have to. No, no. I think it will be. Um, I think it'll produce a better conversation. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So the way I usually start these things is, um, I ask my my guest how we know each other um, at, through right. their perspective. So if he sometimes people have a funny story, or sometimes it's just like, yeah, I met I met you through this. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, I'm trying to remember if I heard about you before I had you in class, but obviously for the record, uh, uh, Paul, you are my student, as you know. Yeah. Um, I think I only had you once. Um, and I think, I think I had you in class and then through various after class conversations and things, um, I remember speaking talking about you with Professor Dugowski, who's a professor of, you know, film studies at Manhattanville yeah. and, uh, and was ultimately your senior thesis advisor. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was, you know, a big fan of yours. And so I had a little bit of like a, you know, a bit of a flag, I suppose, to know, to, uh, watch out for you in my class. Um, and so he helped to give me a little bit of context. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, we met through class and, and then we kind of kept in touch after class, as I recall. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was a fun time. That was such a long <laughs> time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was, I'm sure it seems longer than it probably was, but that was, it was what, two, three years ago? Like maybe oh, longer Almost four now. Almost four. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. How the time flies. Yeah, it's rough. You're a you're a big boy now. <laughs> uh, hardly, hardly a bit. <laughs> um, so, how's how's that? How how's this? Is this weird to do this? Sorry, I'm a little all over the place. I drank too much coffee, or not enough. That's okay. Or not enough. Yeah, I figured you were like probably just waking up. I'm on you know, uh, adult uh, parenting schedule. So like. I've radically had to shift my um, my time frame. Like before, 
about six years ago, you know, I would try to never be awake before 10 a.m. So, yeah. um, but now this is like four hours into my day. So it's, uh, it's a different system. I used to, uh, um, oh, sorry. Wait. Oh, no, uh, no, it's not weird. I, I've done a few, um, weirdly, I've done a couple interviews on, you know, with like students on campus. Um, they were always, you know, in person. Mm. Um, and, uh, in some ways this is kind of cool because usually there, we, we talk for an hour for like a, 400 word newspaper article yeah. or something you know like like three sentences make it in there yeah um uh and one of them i actually i spoke i was laughing the other day i was telling my wife um i told her i was doing this that i gave the last one i gave was like over lunch in the cafeteria yeah to the student who had like begged me to do this thing we like finally set up a time and it was like where i worked it in my lunch hour mm -hmm. and then she never Wrote, did it she never did anything with it like she never published it or whatever and i was like what the fuck man like we like took so long to do this thing and like i poured my heart out yeah. while, while eating pizza um and, was uh, it like a biography of of you that you what you thought yeah, I mean, kind of I, I don't remember i just feel like I, I remember saying i feel like i said things that were um i don't know like more ambitious than I probably normally say, like just in the cl context of like a cl normal class or something. Because you know you end up talking about whatever, like your life, life or you know your own development or something. And, yeah. Um, but I don't know. The student was, you know, she's. You never really know why people uh, do the things they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, there's um, so. there's one thing you mentioned. We would have conversations outside of class, and there's one thing you said to me that I don't think I'll ever forget and it's still <laughs> and it still pushes me I don't know if we were both just having bad days cuz it sounds kind of it's going to sound kind of mean but cuz <laughs> oh, what I told when I tell this to like other people they're like a professor said that to you why would he say that to you <laughs> <laughs> um but I thought it was sick uh but I remember it was like outside one of your classes and you're like listen man I don't know you got to buck up and I was like what you're just like, listen, you're either going to keep going down this path, you're going to wake up and be 30 in some trailer park somewhere and be like, why didn't I pay? Why didn't I listen or pay attention or do anything? And I was like, oh, man, that's rough. And that still pushes me to do things that I want to do as opposed to like just right. laying around. The trailer park imagery. That's my secret weapon. Yeah. I, uh, well, that's crazy. Um, That does sound like something I would say. I don't. I don't really regret saying that at all. Like, um, if anything, I guess I wish I said things like that more often. I, I think that you have to know, you know, you have to know the student a little yeah. bit, um, uh, in order to like not be misconstrued. Um, but you know, I mean, David had kind of given me this account and I think when I met you, you had already taken a break from college yeah. for like a bit. Yeah. So you were kind of on your like second round, and like kind of in it, but also kind of like, yeah, this is still just as bad as I remember. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think it was sort of like trying to figure <laughs> out like, this isn't, you know, I'm double dipping here and I'm still having a bad second date or whatever. Yeah. Um, which like, fair enough. I, I think that there's something true about that. Like, I think that people who come back uh, for a second round, like, often feel that way like in some ways they they can i think is what you did i mean i think that there were parts of it you learned to value more than maybe you did the first time but at the same time the sort of traditional trappings of like hanging out with 20 year olds and like you know doing the sort of meaningless assignments that is a part of mm -hmm. almost every educational situation you know it was obviously not appealing because you had had a wider perspective and it was like you know i don't i'm not gonna have to you know i don't want my future to have yeah. to deal i don't want to deal with this um but yeah, like I, it's funny, like that actually sounds, um, not as scary as I uh, might say, no. <laughs> like, uh, which is good. Cause I, I think I say, sometimes I say things in class that, um, again, I don't really regret, but I can see how from a student's perspective, it could sound mean. kind of intense. Yeah. Like I often, I have this, I teach this Fitzgerald text about being young. Like, what does it mean to be young? How do you define youth? And I'm kind of interested in like, cause like Fitzgerald thinks that like, the best years of his life happened when he was like 21 to 25, you know, yeah. like he wrote his first book, he met his wife, he got all this money. He was like top of the crowd. And then like he spent the rest of his life sort of flipping away and like seeing himself as like a has been. It's like, 
you know, it's kind of like our celebrity culture. Actually, mm. it's like, uh, you know, like Kim Kardashian or something. It's like you peak when you're 25, and then like the rest of your life, you're like, oh, I was once really cool, but now I'm nobody. Yeah. Um, and I often have students who say that you know they don't actually buy into this narrative that they think that they're going to peak when they're like I asked them about this term of the peak. You know, like, yeah. When are you going to peak? Is it now? Like, because, you know, like for some of you, you've already reached your peak in terms of like athletics. Like you're never going to be a better football player than you were when you're 19. And now you're 22 and you're not as good. Others, of course, think, you know, as soon as I finish college, I'm going to get a great job. Maybe when I'm 26. Others people, other people think, you know, it's when I, it's when I get the house and the kids. Yeah. Every so often I'll get like a, a person who's like 60. When I'm 60, I'll be wise and Ooh. all this stuff. And then really smart students will often say, they'll like reject the terms of the premise. They'll say like, why buy into the idea of a peak? Like, why can't I have like six peaks right. or whatever, which I like that idea. You know, that, that's probably oh, the most man. compelling one. Um, but I try to press this idea, but I'll say things like, cause we're also, when we're also reading Fitzgerald, like, you know, look around you right now. Like every other person in this room is probably going to be divorced by the time they're 40. Like sociologically speaking, yeah. that's a fact. And, like, everyone's like, why? Oh, my God. Like, why did you tell me that? Like, you know, like, I mean, I'll, I'll say things like that. And it's just, it's funny because I, I get how hard that is to hear. But, like, it is going to happen. Like, you're going to have friends that die. And some of you are going to have abortions and, yeah. like, get divorced. Like, that is just a fact. Like, that's how American society is run. Yeah. And, and it's just, like, kind of funny to me how much people resist that. Like, no one wants to hear that, of course. Mm. And it does sound like... I'm sort of, it's not that I want this to happen. I'm just saying like, it is going to happen. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's like, there's no way to escape Right. It. There's no chance in hell that like all 20 of you are going to be like living your dreams exactly. And so it's a bit of a existential shock tactic yeah. to like kind of get those people who maybe need to wake up um, to see if they will get there. Right. I've been, in, in terms of peaks and I, I don't know if I dislike or hate, hate is too strong of a word, but you're like the smart students are like, there would be six or seven peaks or whatever in one's life yeah and I, and like you said that and i was like man i might not be one of those students because i think about peaks like like how athletes do like how yeah me too like how lebron james or something like you hit your yes, peak when exactly. you're 30 and i'm like i'm not there yet i gotta even though i'm not an athlete that's how i think about my life in terms of like professional well that's exactly what, what i do like i mean and i try to use other examples like many people you know again like they're the star of their high school play but they're probably not going to ever be as you know, quote unquote, famous on stage again. Yeah. Um, and I, I use the example of athletics. I say like, you know, when I, when you were in high school, you think that this is going to go on forever. But like now when I go home, I'm like 30 years old. I remember there being a Christmas like four or five years ago when I went out for like a run around Christmas time. And I, my, my parents' house is near my high school. So I jogged up there ran, and I was like able to get onto the track mm -hmm. and run around the field where we used to play. And it was like totally a nostalgia trip. You know, I was like, and I mean, I always say this, I'm like, I would pay like a thousand dollars to turn on the lights again and to have like one more like high school soccer game yeah. and just to be out there in the uniform to do it one more time. And it's like, because, you know, I'll never be like that fast or that ready again. You know, you lose all those yeah. skills, like losing a language. So I try to, I sort of try to set it up that way. Like there's this thing that like, cause that's what Fitzgerald's story is about. It's like, there's this moment in time when you're young and you're never going to be like as you know, as beautiful and connected and have that kind of moment in time. Right. And I think we all feel this, you know, it's like that, like that, I don't know, like whatever version that is, there's some, maybe it's a, a song that you love to, I mean, the, the story is about hearing a song that transports you back to a moment in time. Yeah. And usually people have, like, I, I'll, I'll usually say the example, like, think about that song from like, you know, your junior year of high school that like, the minute you hear it, you think that you're 17 again and it triggers something. And, you know, everybody has a different story. Some people were really depressed and other people were, you know, felt like they were on the top of the world. But I think, you know, I, that that is a big one to me. Like if I hear like the Wu-Tang Clan, it just like takes me back to like getting out of high school, going to my college parking lot, seeing certain people like light up cigars and like try to be like, you know, Staten Island thugs. Or and like, it's just like, it just takes me back to this moment in time. And, uh, I sort of, you know, try to use that as like this moment that, you know, you can't really recapture. It's like, yeah, you can take a trip to Vegas with your girlfriends when you're 35, but like, yeah, you're not, you're not like high school seniors again. You know, it's not really the same thing. So I, I I'm glad you said what, what music, what song or what uh, group was to bring you back to a moment. Cause I was just about to ask <laughs> you that. And that's, gosh, 
that's there's so many yeah there's so many that's um for me it was like this uh i actually had that moment recently because i was i was looking for a microwave in my basement and then instead i found like this box of old winter clothes that was filled with um mixtapes that an ex-girlfriend had made me and i was like oh cool i wonder i wonder what's on these you know and not all of them were like i love you so much mixtapes some of them were just like we need to listen to something on this long car ride or whatever (laughs) and i put one in and i heard this like this british band that i haven't heard in a long time and i was like whoa and it made me yeah it brought me back to like feeling like i was in my early 20s which is like before i before I was at Manhattanville. So it was like really, really weird and feeling like, totally. Yeah. I was, f- yeah, I have a, um, I have a mixtape from, uh, a girlfriend in the middle of college that I still have, even though I don't have any means to play it on. Like when I moved, um, from grad school to New York, I had to reduce, uh, all my material possessions. And one of those items was my tape deck. Yeah. Um, and I used to have a car until this past year that had a tape deck and a CD player in it. And I don't have one of those anymore. Mm. So I haven't transferred it, but there's something about like, I mean, one, it's just the care. It was like a, you know, it's got like special liner notes and it's all decorated. Um, but yeah, if I hear any song on that tape, I, I think of that tape and I think of you know, being 20 years old yeah. and being back in high college and, you know, being with that person and everything. It's, it's kind of crazy. I, <laughs> it, I'm, it's weird to me, but also very cool. I like that. I like, and even, um, even there are certain songs that just bring me that like, I can't, or certain bands, I guess I can't listen to now cause they remind me of where I was last year. And, lo- right. and not that it was a bad place, but it's just like, oh, I'm not there anymore. Right. You know what right. I mean? And, yeah, it feels like looking backwards yeah. uh, rather than forwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, I, I, the one thing I'll say about it, again, this kind of connected to what we were talking about a minute ago, but I have this kind of vexed relationship with music like that, which is, I would say, do- predominantly music from like when I was kind of, you know, inventing my adult self. So let's say like 18 to 30, somewhere around there. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, maybe a little bit less than 30, but those were like the years I probably like, I mean, music was always really important to me and really important to me in high school. But some of those were like selves that I've discarded, you know, like you go through your grunge phase, you go through your techno phase, whatever. And I still like all of those kinds of music, but I don't like identify with them in the same way. Whereas you know, a lot of the music from like maybe more like 21 to 28 or something is kind of like the soundtrack to me becoming an adult, like the adult settled version of myself. Yeah. That's kind of not going to just like run off and join a circus <laughs> you know, next week or whatever. Um, but then like one of the things that I often talk about with my older friends is like, I still love to see live music and it, you know, it kind of makes me feel young. Usually I'm around younger people than I am like at the kiddie playground. Yeah. But there's also something kind of weird of like, it's like stunted development or arrested development where you're like curating a past feeling of yourself in growth. Whereas I guess what I'm getting at is I find it harder now to find, I mean, I still find songs that I love and some of it's the technology has changed. Like how I listen is really different. Like I used to, you know, I grew up in a kind of album oriented, you know, indie rock kind of thing. Um, And now I, I consume music like through Spotify where I have like, you know, algorithms generating playlists for me Mm. so I can hear new music, which is different from being around friends that recommend that are like, here, listen to this Um, or yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, and also I think there's something about like knowing who you are in a more settled way. Like I feel like I used to like, I don't know, music was more, I guess what I'm getting at is there's something that happens or seems to have happened to me, but also to several other friends I've known where it still matters to you, but somehow like it's not quite as um, intense or as vital as it was when I was like 25. And I think it has something to do with the fact that like, not the the stakes are lower, but like somehow a song used to like trigger like impulses that I could act on. Like, it's like, all right, I'm going to move out West for the summer. Holy shit. You know? And now it's like, no, I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I got to figure out summer camps for my kids. You know, it's just like, um, you know, you're more settled. And so some of the like impulsiveness of music, 
like it's harder to act on. Yeah. I guess. In a in a very which is sad in a way, you know. I mean, it's, I know. think it's good. I mean, part of me thinks it's good because I'm getting to that because you're talking about going to see live music and being older than everybody and like the music mm. I listen to is very much catered to like people in their late teens and early twenties, but mm-hmm. being played by people that are my age, like right. in their late twenties and early thirties. And uh, so I like, oh, yeah, I want to go there because maybe, you know, maybe I'll feel inspired to write my own song or something. And the last um, show I went to, I felt like I felt that impulsive need that you're talking about to, like, get in the pit and, like, get real yes, excited. Yes. And then I broke my glasses and I was like, well, <laughs> I'm going to just stand in the back for the rest of this because I... <laughs> That's something I have to pay for now. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Like, man, I'm, I, health insurance is a real thing. Yeah, man. <laughs> I like. Yeah, it, it's it's I I I feel like for me anyway that that idea is like a part of for my own, I guess, growing up kind of thing where it's like I can still go to these things, but I gotta stand in the. I can't be because I'm like right on the cusp of. Yeah, I'm still young. But my body hurts when I wake up now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the headaches last a little longer. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. That's what. I, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's not that. I mean, I go to these kind of shows all the time, and I'll, you know, you go into some show in Brooklyn or something, and it just depends. I mean, I, I still can get really engaged in the music, but I would say that there's just something different in that. I'm never unaware of the fact that I'm a little out of place or something like yeah. that. Whereas I feel like when I was their age. I just wasn't aware of that. Like I didn't, you know, I just didn't, yeah. somehow I, I didn't think like, oh, there's all these 35 year olds around here or whatever. It just, you know, you just don't register. Yeah, it's kind. Way. It's more like, oh, here um, are all my people. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're more you're more among them rather than sort of. There's a little bit of a spectator quality built in. Yeah, you know, we're like, no matter how engaged you get, you're you're kind of. I don't know what. Like you're just aware that there are people. Who, for whom this is sort of so immediate yeah. and you're always like, you're there, but you're also in the back of your mind, you know, thinking about your broken glasses yeah. <laughs> yeah. rather than just, you know, when you're like a kid, you're just like, fuck it. My glasses are gone. Like, let's go outside now and get a cigarette. Yeah. You know, you're just like lost in the moment. And there's a sort of something about sort of having no consequences. Yeah. You know, a little bit harder to, to get a hold of. Um, and that's, you know, that's okay. But I, I definitely, I definitely notice it to some extent. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really weird. Yeah. It, I've, I've been thinking about this stuff a lot too, because I'm, I'm not nearly old enough to be like, oh, back then it was so much better or whatever. Yeah. But I do remember you mentioned like going to places in Brooklyn. I do, and like that CD also is tied into this. There used to be like, there used to be this place called Death by Audio in Brooklyn for like that was open. Um, that that had shows like every week, almost every day, and and wow. they were like. Cause they were all like local bands or whatever. And there was, and that mixtape was, I think what we would listen to on the drive to Brooklyn to go to a show. Cause we would go, or at least I would almost every weekend. Cause they would, they were kind of like a, a speakeasy, like a hipster speakeasy. Uh-huh. It was really weird. Like you want to, I remember the first time I went, I was like 19 and they were like, yeah, we'll still sell you alcohol if you have money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like, <laughs> I remember being able to buy beers for like a dollar and to the cover was always like five to seven bucks, depending on how much money you had. And you could smoke indoors. It was really weird, but it that's crazy. It had yeah. this like feeling that anytime I walked in there after my first couple of times, it was just like, Oh, like this is where this is. These are my people. And this is where I had. Yeah. And, um, it had since it's since closed down now. Um, but, I feel like if I was me now and went there back then, like time traveled, I don't know if I would like have fun because it was also like a because right. it was also as like as big as this room, which isn't that big. And then there was a tiny hallway to the back where you where you bought beer out of a cooler or whiskey out of like <laughs> a drawer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly it. That that's what I mean. Is like it's a weird thing to realize that like I don't have any like particular objection to some of those spaces and yet like something has changed. I mean, I noticed it more with things like travel. Like when I was your, you know, well not your age, but like younger, mm-hmm. like 20, you know, 21, whatever. Like I went on a bunch, did a bunch of backpacking across Europe. And those are some of my greatest memories of, you know, being a kid and being free and kind of like, you know, hightailing it around and kind of having no plan 
And I think so positively of those things, but like, I know I couldn't do that now. You know, mm. it's like, I don't think I could sleep in those beds. You know, I, I ate terribly. Yeah. You know, like, I, it's like one of those things where like you can look back on it and like, you know, appreciate it for what it is, but you, you can't really like redo it. You mm. know, like you would, I would need to do it in a different way now. And, that, and that's, you know, that's okay. And I think to some extent that's true of like performance spaces and things like that yeah. too. It's like, um, you know, after a while you're like, you know what, like I've, I've gotten I've gotten over my love of loud, really loud bars where I can't hear anyone talk. <laughs> like, I just want to, you know, hear what people are saying, you know. And, yeah. Um, you know, and that's cool too. It's I think of it as like almost like developing a kind of palate, you yeah. know, like different spices or different kinds of alcohol or or whatever. Like where you you know you learn to appreciate certain things that like maybe fe- seem like a great jolt when you're 18. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like 12 pack of Miller Life, <laughs> hell yeah, you know, whatever. It's just like, yeah. you know, after a while, you know, you're like develop a different sense of the range of things and um doesn't mean it's necessarily better but i just you know it's just that it means that you've grown yeah it's not a it's not necessarily a bad thing i i really like um that idea of like okay yeah i'm done hanging out in loud bars because it's i because like i didn't realize i was getting there and then i'm like oh yeah because i was one, i was at one the other night and it was i was like i don't want to be here because <laughs> they were having like an open mic night and this guy came up with a saxophone and part of me was like he's gonna play ska him and his friend are gonna play some ska music <laughs> but they just like played weird like just weird noise and uh and i just hated being there and i hated the fact that not hate not a full hate but i was just like i was doing this like six seven years ago in the same place listening to the same guy still thinking i was gonna hear ska music (laughs) you know and and like i we me and my friend ended up leaving and i was thinking about this and i'm like i think i just want to turn into a guy that drinks like not not like pbrs anymore like i want you know what i mean like (laughs) i want to be an adult but like the switch up my labels yeah Yeah. and like the hardest thing is that i think um especially with my style of dress these days that I just own the clothes I had seven years ago, and they're all like too tight and too small. <laughs> so like, I haven't bought new yes, clothes in a long time. I've had the same problem over the years. <laughs> so it's just like I I go out to places, and it's just like, how old are you? Are you still like holding on to being young, or are you, right. or you just not have clothes? Well, I'm afraid that never gets uh, that will never stop happening because if the kind of current trend continues, where there's a kind of steady like youthful drive making its way into like adult fashion you know mm-hmm. like um and then you'll of course you'll see um cycles like it's sort of sort of surreal for me because you know i just bought a pair of like high top vans last week which is like those are the kind of shoes i had when i was nine years old or whatever you know <laughs> yeah. so you end up like repeating yourself in a way it's like you can end up kind of calling back to these sort of styles of your of your youth you know or like whatever like wearing flannel yeah. or you know whatever and some of them just never change it's like i feel like i've been wearing hoodies my whole life and you know that's okay too yeah um but yeah like you i don't know i mean it's interesting to hear you say that because i i hear that a lot from you know former students but it just in general people making their way about this idea of like becoming an adult and yeah i feel like that term is like more loose now than ever it ever yeah, has for been sure. you know like i mean most of the people i know in my neighborhood are a little bit older than me. And so like they didn't, you know, they started having kids when they were like 38 or 40. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like, is that what makes them an adult? I mean, you know, and, and not, not really. Is it about having a job? Is it about having a purpose? I mean, all of these things are up in the air, but it's like quite common, at least around here for people to, from the outside, or at least by certain metrics to not have, you know, not have it all together or, or yeah. something until they're, you know, four decades into their life like it's you know it's a pretty far far along in a way like by like if you were like a a medieval person mm-hmm. you know like whose life their lifespan was like 50 yeah. like that would be like unthinkable you know and it's like now we have so many years i guess they call it like there's this new term of sociology she's called like emerging adulthood mm-hmm. it's like basically like you know basically the teen years aren't really the teen years anymore that like teenage years like on the older model from like the 60s last up until you're like 30 now oh man like, you know like many people don't you know leave their parents homes and they don't necessarily have their full career figured out like that's very common and 
like the old, in other words, the old models in some ways of college, which assumes like you go to college and then you become an adult or whatever, get a career, like yeah. really aren't true for most people anymore. Like most of my students don't leave Manhattanville with a degree and then immediately enter the workforce with a great job. Yeah, like, that's very <laughs> uncommon. Like they work, they you know, it's because of the terrible economy. Um, it's because of the internship culture, which is um, a way, a form of exploitation. Mm. You know, it's like a way of getting people to work for free until yeah. they're in their mid twenties, which is insane. Yeah. Um, but like the, I mean, and also, you know, it's important to have a historical perspective. Like the kinds of jobs that existed even at the very end of my college years, but certainly before that, like a generation before that. I mean, they don't, they don't exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, you can't just go to a college, get a gr- degree in communications, and like walk your way into a PR job. Yeah, the way that you could thirty years ago. That just you know, you have to do a lot of other things and you know get lucky. But usually, people don't land that job until they're five years out. Yeah, and they've been doing all these side things and working for free, and it's like this. I don't know. I feel sorry for that. <laughs> it's, it's a hard, it's a hard situation. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what I would be doing if I were if I had my English degree and was graduating now. You know. I would be in a much worse position than I was when I finished in 2002. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, I just went to a temp agency because <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, and I, I worked in, have you heard of that store, that store dress barn? It's a women's clothing store. Yes. I worked at their corporate office for like two years uh, and that, okay. or a year and a half, almost two. And I was just like, and it was really weird because it was, cause I started as like a mailroom clerk which is like fine. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I had left, I was learning how to be an, how to not be an architect, but I was working with all of the architects. Wow. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. And uh, to the point where it's like, my boss was like, I know you don't get paid. A lot. I was getting paid like maybe 10, 50 an hour through the temp agency. And they're like, I know you don't get paid a lot, but what you're learning now is something people go to college for, for years. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll keep doing it. And then, like six months of doing that, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, <laughs> like, it was like, yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's part of it too, though. And that's, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the good sides of today's sort of whatever, yeah. like emerging adults or whatever you want to call it, is that they don't maybe have the same appetite for kind of putting their head down in some dead end job. I mean, yeah, yes, it's not, it was nice, you know, it was nice of our parents or, or whatever, grandparents' generation to like, finish high school or college, get a job and work it for 40 years. But a lot of those people were also incredibly repressed and, you know, like didn't do what they wanted to do. Yeah. So like they had a job, but they didn't put a job they didn't want, you know? So it's like, well, I don't know if that's an answer. Yeah. It's not necessarily an answer. I think, I think people today are more, more aware of that fact. And so that makes them more vulnerable to kind of the volatility of the market. Mm. They, they kind of like get jobs and discard them at a, at a faster rate. But that also means that they have a maybe stand a better chance of being a little bit happier if they can figure out like, <laughs> what they want to do. You know, yeah. I don't like this and I don't want to do it. So I'm just going to not do it anymore. And I don't have three kids to support at the age of 26. Yeah. So that's good. You know, that's a good thing that I don't have to just stay stay at the dress barn for the next yeah. 30 years until I've paid for their college. The, the Also, another crazy thing, because like the job I ended up getting after that, I was just like writing on the Internet. Like that was like, mm-hmm. and I was like, eh, and you know, and you got paid for that. Yeah. That's good. But it was kind of like, I guess the way to put it was like, there's this company without getting into too much details. Cause they ended up laying us off afterwards, but like after a uh-huh. year and a half, but there's this company that started their own kind of like, I would say like Tumblr or Pinterest kind of thing. And mm-hmm. they paid a bunch of us to pretend, not pretend, but like, cause we were the users, but paid a bunch of us to write it right on that blog site uh, and fill it up with content kind of thing yeah and i was like this is amazing like i just get to like write <laughs> right uh, when i first started anyway it was i was writing about movies because they like hired me because they saw that i had a f- english and film degree and then like about three to six months after that they're like why don't you write about video games you talk a lot about it you talk a lot about video games and as a kid i was like that's the dream job play video yeah play, right play write video games and then after we had gotten uh, laid off and I moved back to New York um, and was like, maybe I should pursue this. I was like, man, I really, I don't think I enjoyed writing about video games. Like, like, geez, Louise, this is, (laughs) this is not something I want to do. Like, cause I, cause like while I was working there, I made like freelance writing contacts, but they were all like video game websites. And I was just like, 
this is the most expensive job to have because I would like I'd be like can I write about x thing and they'd be like that's about this many years old and you need to write about the game that's coming out next week if you want to not need to but they would you know suggest <laughs> in a nice way right gently suggest yeah, yeah that that's so old you need to write about the new thing and video games cost like $60 and I was like I'm not doing this anymore like I can't it's so it's so weird yep and they did not give you like a reviewer's copy no 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 yeah because like oh man because the yeah the writing I was doing was like um analyzing video games as opposed to like reviewing them like there was one thing I wanted to write about uh, and like do a queer reading of a video game and they're like can you do can you try to do one with like a newer game because that game's irrelevant these days and i was like i had a oh i know exactly what you're facing yeah. yes which is like they you were trying to do analysis and they wanted to turn that into something more like a review yeah right like they wanted it to make it more i mean ultimately like monetizing it yeah right? where they can like promote your review as like a really contemporary take mm -hmm. um which ultimately brings in like that's what brings in ad dollars yeah right? like after the companies made the game they're not like super invested in promoting a, a game that's four years old or whatever yeah um but yeah my, my my wife writes reviews about mostly films but um you know kind of cultural things and, and a lot of her struggles have been trying to do the same thing like she wants to write about kind of you know like what does this new crop of like African-American directed films say about like American culture? And they want it to often be more like, should we see this movie or not? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and so they're kind of at cross purposes, you know, yeah. like your, your agenda is not the same. Um, yeah. It's funny. Cause I've, I, I've thought about, I've, you know, the same, well, two things, one, like, I have some of the same reaction at times to working in the literature business mm -hmm. in that it seems great from the outside. It seems great when you're a student, you love it, but there's something difficult at times about taking this thing you love and turning it into the way you make your money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this thing, if you take this thing and you love, but then you do it, then you take that poem and you have to like teach it to people and have them write mediocre papers about them 50 times like yeah. do, you, do you love it the same way like can you ever really you know and, and it's like it's a, it's a discipline it's the same way i think about again like music like i think about friends of mine that are in bands who have to you know play this great song but they they play it in probably many terrible environments like mm -hmm. you know uh a poorly attended club in minneapolis or some you know barn in atlanta or whatever yeah. and you know it's like you have to kind of believe in the product so much sort of irrelevant i mean or disregardless of its um or regardless of its uh sort of its occasion of delivery but that that's sometimes hard to kind of keep sight yeah. of you know and there are times where i definitely have had the experience where i have almost intentionally avoided teaching things that i most love because i can't stomach the thought of them like not being as loved by other people yeah if that makes no, sense it, it's a hard thing it totally does to yeah. like you know watch your pets sort of <laughs> not be treated well yeah. or something. I, I, I think I feel a little similarly because um, like video games for me was a thing that I liked and it, that was my fun thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it became work and I didn't have the fun thing anymore. And like, yes. um, I'm trying to play more music now and understand how to like be in a band and like how to do that the real way. So now right. like music isn't the fun thing. And then I realized I need to if I'm doing something that I'm trying to consider work, right? I need to yeah. fake, I need not fake, but I need to find the other fun thing. And what I decided to do was get really into basketball and not just like follow one team, but like all oh, cool. of the teams. And like, so at, before you call or before you message me actually saying like, okay, I'm going to be ready in a couple minutes. I was watching, I, I, I was watching on YouTube. There's this one guy who just like, puts all the games that happen, but cuts them down to 10 minutes. And I was just ah. watching all the games from yesterday, this morning. Fantastic. Like, <laughs> I'm like okay, I need to understand uh -oh. all of this. Like, it, Are you watching um, college or NBA? I'm watching NBA, and I think I should be watching college, but I don't know where to, I don't know where to find that. That's, yeah, fair enough. Well, they're, I mean, they're in a hiatus right now. I'm a, I'm a huge basketball fan and I lose a lot of hours. <laughs> I need to, I need to find out about that YouTube uh, thing. I'll, I, I'll send it I to you. Up, you know, I'll, yeah, yeah. 
a lot of times I'll like have a game that I could like stream, but I'm like, I don't know if I can really commit 75 minutes. To yeah, this or that's, whatever. that's what I was feeling. Especially because, you know, in the NBA, there's sort of a, there's kind of a pattern to things, yeah. you know, they sort of, they play their starters for like the eight, you know, eight minutes of the third quarter yeah. and they sit them down for the last four. Yeah. It's, it's kind of routine. And so you don't really know, like a 10 point lead with your starters out, like can, is basically meaningless in the NBA because yeah. people can get like right back in the, in the action. But, um, I'll send you... but yeah, I'm kind of with you. I kind of like, I, I have, I've, I went to a college where basketball was a big deal. I grew up watching it and it was a big thing. So we always, I always cheered for a team. Mm-hmm. And then weirdly, I think as I've gone into the academy, maybe even going to like different schools, like once you've gone to more than one school, your like attachment to that particular school loses a little bit of its uniqueness, you know? Yeah. And you sort of realize that like, everybody has their school and (laughs) but also just like as a student of the game like the more you care about it you know the less you care about particular performances and the more you care about like great games sort of and just like interesting scenarios um and so like i don't have like i've gotten more and more into the nba and less and less into college Mm -hmm. like in the last 10 years but I don't have like a team that I you know root for yeah. per se. I'm more like interested in just good matchups, you know. Right. Um, so I don't know. Sometimes I feel bad because I'm like oh, I'm not really a real fan. Like I don't really have a huge stake on like who comes out of the Western Conference yeah. or whatever. You know, I'm like as long as it produces like good basketball, I'm, I'm pretty yeah, happy. But I feel that way too. Uh, I wish yeah. I you know had, had like a rooting interest in it or something. You know, sometimes you meet you meet people around New York, especially who like you know, are lifelong Knicks yeah. fans or lifelong Mets fans who have, like, gone through this period of, like, utter dis- utterly dismal seasons, <laughs> yeah. you know? And they're, like, still clinging to it. It's almost like a religion yeah. or something. I, I kind of envy that. Like, I feel like a, like a you know, uh, an opportunist who just, you know, clings to the, you know, it's like, oh, Golden State's getting good. Let's watch those yeah. games now, you know? And it's it's sort of, uh, there's no loyalty. There. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I think it's better to be that way because I'm I'm slowly moving away because the past couple of years I just was like just a Knicks fan like that's it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. But now I'm watching all these other games and I'm like I just need to like be a fan of basketball because I I love watching it. But when the Knicks lose, it like really hurts. Like I texted <laughs> my brother and I was like, I think being <clears throat> being a Knicks fan is taught me more about heartbreak than actually getting my heart broken (laughs) because like in the off season, we get all these great players and all this and that, and like, Oh, it's going to be great. And like Phil Jackson's coming. And then we just go right back down. And it's just like, it's so frustrating to watch. I have followed it with great interest, but it is just imploding. It's so hard to understand. Um, I mean, there's a story to be told. I think it's been told on, you know, journalism and things about, this shift in like market power like i just it's strange to think that we now live in a culture where like new york and la are unable to like really draw like top picks yeah like neither neither of them really could make a bid for durant um and they struggle to recruit people and it's like interesting that you know um these other places can draw people in like that like yeah i mean i do think it's i think it's related to the internet and i think it's related to like the kind of dissemination of certain kinds of like bougie culture mm-hmm. where like you can go to Cleveland and get gourmet tacos. Yeah. Like, that wasn't the case 25 years ago. Like you had to be in a major, you know, coastal city. And of course there are still those things, but these guys can fly, you know, flights and the internet enables people to get all kinds of things in faraway places. That, yeah. So they don't have to be there anymore. And um, there's so- something about that. And it, I think that's part of it. I think, I think the media has changed. We're like, you know, you also don't have to like be, in a big town to get media coverage, right? Like the cameras are everywhere. You can carry, you can film yourself and start a viral video. Uh So it sort of democratizes access where like you can, you know, like you can be in Oklahoma city. I mean, it's not a place that's a cultural destination, but now like you can get a lot of primetime action. Yeah, for sure. Um, Oh man. Basketball. How did we get here? Oh, (laughs) I don't know. Heartbreak. (laughs) Uh, that's usually how this goes. You just start somewhere and then end up somewhere totally different. Uh, but oh, man, how many of these have you done, Paul? How many of these? Um, I'm trying to think of the ones that I've done that aren't out yet to you and do the math. Uh, okay. That's fine. Maybe close to close to 30 now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, very cool. I, um, the way I, the way I do it, it's like, 
or the way I, I started doing it was like, okay, I'll do 10 and then take a break for a month and a half, do another nine or 10, take a break for a month and a half. But right now I'm really like rolling and trying to do as much as I can as like a little personal goal to myself. Like, see, how, 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 how long can I keep this going without having to take a break? So awesome. I've been doing this. It's, it's kind of crazy. I was talking, um, and this might go into um, what you're talking about maybe like 15 minutes ago about uh, finding the dream and the thing you want to do. Yesterday, actually, I had a student at Manhattanville contact me and want to interview me about this, about like, so what made you want to do a podcast and what made you want to do all this stuff? And I was just like, ah, man, I don't know if you're, because I guess he had an assignment that was like, talk to somebody in your field and he's a communications major and um, he wants to go into radio broadcasting or something. And I was telling him, I was like, I think you picked the wrong guy because this doesn't pay anything, what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do this because it's fun and it makes me happy. And I like connecting with, with other people that I haven't seen in a long time and kind of using it as an excuse to talk to people, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, I don't know what... Did he find that answer satisfying? Or Yeah, it was a... He laughed, which was good. Yeah. Um, but... Right. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he asked me a lot of stuff, and I, I was very long-winded about it. I was like, when it when it came down to it, um, like I just wanted to do something that I could treat like work, but also love doing it, and also not have a boss, and also be in control of everything. <laughs> You're you've got it, man. You've nailed it on the head. I, uh, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm actually on. Um, I mean, the reason I can do this right now at this hour is because I'm on my first sabbatical. So this spring, I've you know basically been working from home, mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of sickness in my house, so I haven't it hasn't been as productive as I want. But um, but it's reminded me of like at the end of the day, what I sort of one of the one of the reasons that I ended up you know wanting to be an academic had to do with all the things that you just said, yeah. you know, being able to do things you love and not have a boss and have freedom and. Um, a lot of times in the last, uh, seven years, um, I've realized that that's not always the mm-hmm. case when you're teaching. There's a lot more to it than that. But, um, but this spring has been a real reminder, um, that, you know, there are, there are moments, there are, there are, there are periods of time where that is possible. Yeah. And of course, you know, you do have, um, breaks in the summer and things like that. Um, but I wanted to get back to something you said earlier, mm-hmm. which I don't, I don't really have like a thesis on other than just to it sort of relate to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I myself find that I too struggle with the work play dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, like in other words, what I want to do for fun is like write articles about history, like literary figures in history. But then at some level, that's also something I use to like get, prom- you know, get promotions at work. Yeah, And so, uh, um, and so, like, when is that play and when is it work and, like, how to manage that? And I found that – I remember reading this in another – a writer that I admire a lot that he, like, whenever – like, the best way for him to work is to work on at least two things at once. Mm-hmm. And whatever is the thing that he thinks he's supposed to work on, he can't do. And so he does the other thing as, like, a secret side project. Yeah. And he's, like, really productive on that second thing. And I find, I've kind of found the same thing is true for me. Like, I, I can't really, like – plan it out i wish i could like that but that would sort of defeat the purpose but like whenever i set myself a goal and i'm like all right i've got this thing coming up i've got to write this paper and it's due in march um i'll kind of work on it but then i'll get into something really different Mm -hmm. that's not related at all and i'll pursue that like with extreme passion and there's some kind of way in which for me like my most concentrated um passionate energy comes out it has to be like almost entirely disconnected from any kind of real world effect. Yeah. Like I, it has to be like pure. I have to perceive it as sort of doing it for the love of that thing. Mm. Um, and then of course, like usually I will turn it into something that like is somehow useful, you know, whether that be, you know, giving a presentation or teaching a class or, you know, about a new topic or something. Right. But that kind of comes afterwards, like after the initial thing, I'm very bad about, like I, I have friends who kind of, I think of them as like, machines or robots who are like all right i want to make a difference in this field i'm you know and they'll they'll map out a nine-month program of action and yeah it's like an exercise regime and they'll wake up every day and they'll do it and of course we all have to be disciplined but i i sometimes i beat myself up for not having that kind of work ethic i mean but i just i cannot 
it makes me um, lose interest in something to sort of schedule it in a sort of deliberate way. Yeah, I, I th- that resonates with me. I think, yeah, because like, there's this, and then I, I play music and like try and write songs every day. And then another thing is like, since I'm just, how can I say this without sounding like a dum-dum? I don't know. But that, it, I don't know. That sounds like a very punk rock thing where it's like, <laughs> if I'm supposed to do X, I'm going to yeah. do Y. <laughs> <You> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I realize that it's kind of, there's a, you know, almost an adolescent uh, kind of, yeah, punkish yeah. energy to that. And I, I, I do recognize that. Like I, re- I realize how kind of amateurish that sounds. Um but it's just it just ends up being a fact you know it's like part of it's also like well the goal is really just to figure out the conditions under which you work the best and um in my case like i will be i i still will be very very productive but it's has to be on it's like often on something that is not immediately relevant yeah um, if that makes sense and like this is this happens all the time when i'm teaching like i'll get caught up in something and i'll I'll, you know, sit there for three hours and I'm like, I really should be preparing for tomorrow and, and or grading. I know that tomorrow is going to be a lot. I'm going to have to do a lot of extra reading tonight and stay up late if I don't get my shit in order. Yeah. But like, I'm just really into something and I'm like, I've got to keep reading this for like three more hours. And I just, it's like self, almost like self-sabotage, yeah. you know, where, I mean, another way of thinking about it is that like you use the one, the sort of illicit passion to kind of discipline or push the other one, yeah. you know, and um, cause there's, there's another way in which like, if I, I feel like if I didn't do the sort of secretive thing, I wouldn't do either one. Yeah. And so it's like, if I'm long as I'm working on one thing that I really want to be doing, then I'll kind of work on the first thing that I'm supposed to be, yeah. doing, which is just total, total duty. Yeah. Um, but I won't work on it with like much focus, but it'll like, it'll still get done. It'll just not be very good. I, oh um, man, <laughs> I, I totally yeah. feel that. I think I do the same thing. I think I do the same thing, especially with like, with schoolwork. I think I had to give you my thesis paper and all this stuff. And I came in and you're like, I didn't think you're going to do this. And I think I said, yeah, me neither. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like the last yeah, day, the yeah. very final moment. You're like, if you don't catch me between these hours, you're done, man. And then I caught you like right at the end. And I was like, here. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we have to have our backs against the wall. I've had a lot of students like that. And it's um, like one of my favorite students this past year was an econ major who like basically hated her major and she would just like throw herself into writing really awesome papers for my classes, even though they had like no real consequences for her. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like they were going to help her get a job or anything. Um, and she was really capable of writing like longer papers. But when it came time to write her econ thesis, she just hit a wall. She was like, I just, I just don't care about yeah. this. You know, it was like <laughs> so hard to kind of do the work she was supposed to do rather than the work that was you know, outside the bounds. But I, I, I don't know. I find it like I, I have read a decent amount of like artist memoirs mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, one book that I would recommend to you that you might like, it's kind of like, it's sort of not like a coffee table book. It's not, it's not a straight um, narrative, but it's called Daily Rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a, it's a collection of maybe 70 or 100 um, short, like literally one or two page um, stories about how creative people structure their days, yeah. like what they do each day to kind of wake up, get in the mood. And it just covers the most wide, wide range. You know, some people, you know, get up at the exact same time, have the, have like some, you know, some of these people, like, I don't, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it's Beethoven, mm. you know, drink like 17 cups of coffee every morning, you know, just like these crazy things yeah. that they do. Other people, of course, stay up all night or like eat, you know, uh, eat rare meat mm. at 3am every night or take a cold water bath mm-hmm. every day, you know, or walk for two hours. I mean, it's these wildly different things. And I found that book really liberating because it reminded me that there's like no, you know, there's no one right way to do anything. There's sort of this story that we get told from, you know, career counselors and parents and things like that. Mm. And I think it is true if you want to just like work a nine to five job, like, yes, you're going to have to learn to eat three meals a day and get some sleep and all of that. But, um, but if you envision a different kind of life, one that has a little bit more flexibility, there's not like a way, like, I think we fall into this trap of like, oh, like that person stays up all night and, you know, they get high every day and that's somehow like the wrong way to do yeah. it. That's not, that's not an adult. And if you look at the history of like creative people, like a lot of them do stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? They, they, they do stuff that's like bad in yeah. a certain sort of career advice counselor way. But you're like, and look what, like, look what Picasso did. Like, you know, he, 
took all these, you know, he took all these drugs or he had the yeah. you know, frequented prostitutes every day, you know, every week or what, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I just think that we have a very narrow sense of like what the normal way is. Yeah. I think that's, of course, not everyone's going to be a genius. Yeah. I get that. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's important to kind of keep a certain open mind yeah. about, you know different ways of arranging one's yeah, life. That's something, I guess, over the past year I've been, I realized, because a lot of the people I was in contact with, because we were all kind of writers in some sense, because we all wrote on the internet, and um, we, were all, we, we all considered ourselves creative. Well, I don't really. I kind of just fake it, like, till I make it. I wouldn't yeah. say that. I mean, I was talking to somebody. I... I've, seen your, I've seen you playing music on Instagram. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're, I feel like you're a very creative person. I have to say, though, some of those songs, I'd like try to learn another song, and then I just move all the chords around, and I'm like, now it's mine. <laughs> like, I don't. That's great. Yeah, I don't know that's, if that's real. I would say that's the story of rock and roll. Right uh, there, man. But it's, it's funny because I started doing this because we all had lost our jobs. I started like, I'm just going to do a podcast. It's not going to get me any money. And like, maybe I'll do an odd job here and there if I need like a hundred bucks, but I'm going to do this. And a lot of what I would hear, and not just from them, but from a lot of people was like, man, I wish I could do what you do. And these are people who are saying they're like, who take their creativity very seriously. Mm-hmm. And a lot of me just wanted to shake them and be like, just do it then. Just, you can, like, yeah. you can just do it. But then again, like what you were saying, I think about um, the right way to do it or the right way to, you know, so a lot of them are like, I need to start my career and like keep working and this and that. And I'm like, I could, I could be in that trailer you're talking about, but if I'm doing this, I'll be happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's exactly it. I mean, I had, I have to confess, I've, a lot of my own um, kind of career path has been, you know, wrestling with those questions, like sort of in some ways, um, you know, working the kind of job I have is not exactly what my graduate school training was sort of trained you to do, you know, like you're sort of taught to like anything. It's like going to like an athletic program, like an elite athletic program. And you think you're going to go to the NBA or the NFL and then, you know, you don't quite make it there. You end up in the in the you know in the D league yeah. or in the in the in the you know double A baseball, and it you know things start looking a little different. Yeah. And um, and I still I still wrestle with those questions. Um, and in many cases, I find that that way of thinking, worrying about that stuff, et cetera, has been pretty destructive. It's like you can sit around all the time and like, you know, uh, it's true. It's like yes, the, the players out for the you know. The Cleveland Cavaliers do get better uh, massage treatments mm. than the, the the people in the D League, yeah. and and so yes, it's like once you make it, they it's like harder for the people down below to break through. And I, yeah. I think I spend a lot of time like resenting that, mm. like well, people above me, like they have all these perks, like they get all this money, and they have all these speakers, and they have all these networking things, and they have all this time to write, yeah. and you know, that's why I can't, I'm never going to be able to catch up, you know. And it's like you can spend years, you can spend a lifetime thinking that way, sort of looking up, envying what's above you, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and at some point, um, and for me, it was really like right after I got tenure, which was last spring. And I was like, Oh, like I really am free. Like I've got this job. It's I'm secure. Like I don't have to do anything for anyone now. Like in terms of like, I don't need to write a particular kind of article or something right. to please someone. Like I'm genuinely able to do what I want to do. And it was like liberating and kind of terrifying. Cause it, it, it calls you out on the thing you just described. Yeah. Like they're like, Oh, you, I have no excuses now. Like, it's not like, I can't, I can't say that I'm like worried that someone will disapprove of this or I need to do this other thing so that I can get tenure. It's like, I've yeah. got it. Like now I'm, I'm, I've got my job. Like I'm secure. Like I can, I can, you know, plan on that being around. So now it's like, Oh shit. Like I have to do what I love like, yeah. no matter what. Um, and that's the, you know, there's no real, there's no real excuse. And that's, um, I mean, it is incredibly liberating, but it's also kind of yeah, hard. It's scary like, a little bit. Yeah. Like no one's going to necessarily pat you on the back for doing something you love that doesn't produce like effects in like a traditional yeah. measurable sense. You know, like I do the same thing. Like I've read all this stuff and I work in all these, I, I work on all these things that aren't, um, aren't exactly what someone in my kind of career trajectory is supposed to be doing. Like I'm supposed to be like, finishing my first book and like whenever I go to conferences everyone's always like you know when's your book coming out and you know and I've sort of 
learn to let go of that a little bit, like let go of that ambition. Like, well, I might, I mean, it might be like, like a musician who like makes a bunch of songs, but never gathers them into an album. Yeah. You know, and everyone's always like, when's your EP coming out? When's your EP? And, and just saying like, I don't know if I'm going to make an EP. And it, you know, that just like doesn't make sense in the industry. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of in that place too, or like, I'm going to keep writing and I'm going to keep making articles, but I don't know if I'm ever going to write a book. Like I might not do that. Yeah. And that just doesn't make sense to the outside world, but it being, you know, it brings me a lot of happiness. So that's all that matters in the you end. Know, you have to yeah. kind of, yeah, you have to kind of choose that even though it is, you know, it is frustrating to, you know, to know there's like this expectation and to keep like, you keep running into it and you're like, I know why you're asking that question, but yeah. I'm not terribly interested in answering it the way that, you know, you expect. And it's just, yeah. um, it's funny how, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conformity that, you know, people's ideas about what you're supposed to do. It's all premised on a, a certain kind of like standard narrative about how these things go. Right. This, not, this idea that there's like a trajectory that one follows. And, um, I have, you know, I, I think I'm following my own trajectory, but you know, yeah, it's, I'd be lying if I said I was just totally, um, I never, I, I, I just shut out all those voices. Yeah. Entirely. Like, you know, I still hear them from time to right. time and I have to work to kind of keep them at bay. Yeah, for sure. So we're, we're hitting an hour now and yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I have to, um, today's actually my son's birthday, oh. so I, I probably need to, to wrap this up. Yeah. So we're going to go deliver um, some cupcakes to his school. Now. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, uh, 20 minutes or uh, so, so. The the thing I like to do at the end of the hour is because um, sometimes, like you've been asking me questions, but sometimes the guest doesn't. So I give them like right now to ask me literally anything, and I'll oh, and I'll answer it as honestly as I can. Just <laughs> one question though, since you have to go. Sometimes this makes the episode go a lot longer, but sure. Yeah. Gosh, that's hard. Um, uh, I'm not so good on my feet. Let me think. Um, how about this? Um, if there was one teacher that you've had mm -hmm. and that could be throughout your life, doesn't have to be college, um, that you could, uh, tell them something sort of in a raw way it could be a, you know it could be a recommendation mm. it could be a you know music recommendation or, or a piece of advice but um who would you pick and what would you what would you tell them or recommend like if you had in other words if you had a chance to like speak back to someone yeah um and it might be like a, a like a big fuck you like you you got me wrong mm. or you gave up on me but it also could be you know <laughs> possibly, yeah um like hey i applied this thing that we were doing with you know like the drums but i'm applying it to the yeah you know, this other thing now um anyway so yeah who would uh, and maybe you've already done this on some of your podcasts uh, but uh <laughs> do you have like a person that you would like grab by the lapels and uh, um speak there to? are people i would say thank you to there's not the people that i would say fuck you to um i don't know where they are <laughs> or, if they, or their names really <laughs> probably a good thing i just can like see their face in my head who are like you're just gonna be nothing kid and i'm just like all right fuck you dude i'm gonna remember your face forever and then I, like, <laughs> um but uh there's a there are a couple of like high school teachers that would always tell me and i think even throughout college some my professors would say this but like just like if you just applied yourself man you could be x or you could be y if you just applied mm -hmm. yourself and like i'm at this point now especially with starting this and like this newfound drive i have to like keep doing this no matter where it takes me if it's like cool people will know me on the internet or no one will listen to it i don't care like as long as i like i i, I would tell them like hey man i'm finally applying myself in this really really weird way and like check check it check me out <laughs> i guess I, I was probably one of those people, Paul, and I have to say, like, this is exactly, um, this is exactly what I might have hoped for you. I think that's very pure. I, I as I, as I hope I conveyed, I, I struggle myself with um, entering that state of sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, a kind of, um, it's a kind of self-discipline when that term has a often negative connotation mm -hmm. like you lack self-discipline or you know it's, it's often linked to like dieting or weightlifting yeah. or body image stuff but i would flip it flip the terms around and say it's about um disciplining yourself to liberate the self yeah. you know in, in, in the sense that like you're able to pursue something with um with great passion it's really just kind of like a, a promise to oneself um for the sake of kind of growing and experimenting and kind of seeing where it leads and 
for better and for worse, I, I think there there's just not many people who are able to keep that promise to themselves. Yeah. They, you know, they end up they end up kind of giving it away um, if they ever have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for you. I hope you keep doing this. Thanks, man. Um, it's uh, it's really cool. Like I, I, I I'm a big listener of podcasts myself. So yeah. um, I I have a a number of people who. I feel like I'm close friends with that I've you know never really spoken spoken yeah. to, um, and uh, it's a powerful forum that uh, produces a very unique kind of intimacy between the you know the the, the kind of creator and the listener. Yeah, is there anything you want to say to people before I stop recording? I, I stole I stole that line by the way, and I've been saying this on every episode for this series of episodes from uh, most deaf at Def Jam Poetry on HBO because he says that to Russell Simmons at the end. Say something oh, to the people. So is there... <laughs> Say something to the yeah. people. Oh, gosh. Um, keep listening. Make Paul create a website where you can offer your donations to help him stay in business and buy better microphones. Um, I think it is an epidemic of our culture that I myself um, am a part of to some extent that we freeload too much on great cultural artifacts. Right. And we need to learn how to support these institutions whether it's even just a minor monthly donation or something like that, but you owe it to yourself to um, to make these things happen because, as you can see, our government is not dis- uh, is not predisposed to um, the flourishing of the arts and culture. So we're going to have to pick up the slack. Oh wow, that's really that's a really nice thing to say, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I, well, I believe it. I've been been signing yeah. up for a lot of yeah. things. I just I just signed up for like a PBS subscription the other day. Just, you know, it's one of those things that you can get for free. Most of us free load. Yeah. But, you know, when you start to, you know, I'm getting all these emails sort of through the professor racket about the, clo- the closing of the National Endowment for the Humanities and, and these things that have sustained scholarly work yeah. for many years. Um, and you realize that, oh, yeah, like those things don't have to exist. Like PBS might be closed down, you know, that, that it takes a, there's a kind of a, a new alertness, a new challenge to confront um, in this day and age. And so I'm I'm probably more aware of right. that now than I ever have been. Sick. Well, thanks for doing this, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope I can catch up on a more personal level some other oh, time. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, hear about your travels and your um, your recent experiences in the last four years. And that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Patrick for taking time out of his busy schedule to record this with me. Thank you so much, man. It really means a lot. Um, I'm sorry I didn't say, like, cool, happy birthday to your kid when you told me. I was, um, I, I feel like I, I ruined a good moment there. But I'll do it now. Happy belated birthday to your kid. There you go. Even though that was kind of awkward because I'm just talking it to myself. But, oh well. Anyway, doesn't matter. Anyway, if you want to support the podcast in the way Patrick was talking about at the end of the episode, you can do so at patreon.com slash friend. You can pay a small monthly fee as much to as little as you, as much to as little as you want, um, and every little bit counts. It'll go towards making this podcast a better experience for you, the listener. But if you want to keep up with me personally, you can do so on Twitter at NotPaulMassBad. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can do so on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Dear Stranger and Friend. And on the Facebook, there's a pretty cool video there called Object Memory that I made in a day and a half. So, until next time, when I finally learn how to make coffee properly without getting the grounds in it and then getting the grounds in my teeth and then having weird coffee breath teeth all day, I've been Paul Masbeck. And next week on Dear Stranger and Friend. Then I moved back to California, moved to um, uh, Palm Springs. It's called La Quinta. Um, Stayed there for about two years, so about junior year. Then I moved to Kuwait Mm -hmm. in the Middle East. Yeah. So, and then I graduated high school in Kuwait.